Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are able to open themselves up and really share their lives, the good and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully learning some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. Today's guest is Tanya Nyack. She happens to be one of my very best friends and an amazing designer. And today she's going to be opening up about something she hasn't spoken about publicly, her struggles with IVF and fertility. Welcome, Tanya. I think most people do know that we're best friends, right? I would hope so by now. (laughs) And I think the difference between you and I, even though we have similar personalities, is that I'm an open book and I'll tell everybody everything. Good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. You lay it Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. No. Um, And you are way more private than I am. Yeah, you know what? I don't, I just don't think I have a lot of exciting things going on in my life. That's not true. That, that is, a, I don't know. that is a lie. Yeah. Well, um, but I think I, one of the things that you've, I've obviously I've known that you've gone through, but I don't think you've spoken about a lot and publicly is your struggles with fertility and IVF. Yes, that is true. And you know something, it's not something that I feel like I've ever intentionally been private about. I think that I've been going through the process for such a long time that I always felt at some point, whenever I, whether we had a baby or didn't have a baby, that I would talk about it at some point. And I just, I think I'm at that point right now. Okay. So with that said, like I haven't gone through it, but I know a lot of people are going either through IVF now, maybe contemplating starting or, you know, at the end of trying, how was the process for you? You know, it's interesting when you finally make that decision that you're ready, you think it's going to just happen by the fact that you thought about it. And then you wake up the next morning and you're going to be pregnant. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? It's like when you make that decision, you're like, it's going to be a piece of cake. No problem. So, and again, there's never been issues in my family. My mom's had no problems. My sister has had no problems. So I thought, hey, the day we decide is going to be the day it happens. Oh, I was so wrong. <laughs> so wrong there. Um, I feel like when I went in for it the first time and, you know, and we can talk about the whole process also, but the first time. I went in for a transfer, which is when they take the actual embryo and transfer it into your uterus. I was like, dude, we're pregnant. Like, I just felt like this is the beginning of the rest of our lives. Like, this is it. Right. We're going to have a baby. And you don't, and it's good. It's good to have that attitude and to be really positive going into it. You don't think that it's going to be tough. The reality is, it's very rare for it to happen on the first try. And I don't want to ever sound discouraging because I know people that it has happened on the first try. But, you know, just to keep in mind, it's okay if it doesn't happen on the first try. So when it didn't happen on the first time time for you and Brian, were you hopeful that, you know, that was just a fluke and let's do it again? Yeah, we were... uh, You know, we were bummed, super bummed. I think more bummed after the first one than on the ones that led or or came up afterwards because you just go into it with such hopeful prospects that it's going to work. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were we were bummed out, but okay, no problem. Let's let's get on the wagon and let's do this again. 
I do have to point out one thing, and that is in Boston and, well, so Massachusetts and Illinois, as far as I know, they're the only two states that have insurance coverage on rounds of IVF. And the reason I bring that up is because we did it a number of different times, and there are a lot of people that cannot afford to do it including myself, a number of different times. We were just so blessed that we were covered by insurance. So that's why we did it as many times as we did. You, so I do what will I, you share how many times you did it? Yeah, of course. We, so it's technically seven, but it was like six and a half because we reached a point where I hyperstimulated. So we had, it, we had to stop it sort of midway. So six and a half. So how was it physically? I know you, ha- I remember you taking injections oh, and you were bloated and hormonal. The, pits. the worst. What was the worst part I mean, for you? The needle part was no problem. So anyone who's afraid of that, don't be. That part is actually like, you don't feel anything. They are tiny, itty bitty, little tiny needles. And if you're anything like me, you got a little nice layer of fat that you're going to pinch and like push that right in. And it's, it's nothing like that part was truly nothing. And in fact, I've heard a lot of other women say this, you feel a bit like a warrior, like you're creating something here and you're, you're doing this on your own, to your own body. So there was like a, there was like an empowerment factor there. Right. But, uh, so that part didn't bother me. It was towards the end when the eggs start to develop. Um, and if you have a lot of eggs too, you really just feel loaded and and you know it messes with your hormones so you know there's those issues but it wasn't all in all it wasn't that bad I just I personally I think maybe because you and I are on camera we're super self-conscious of like our weight and trying to stay fit so yeah I felt like I got a little bloated I mean that's the worst of it what about emotionally the emotional part comes after during not so bad and how was Brian how was Brian's involvement, like, was he helping you with injections? How did, how did he help or not? Yeah, he was good. He he was really great. The first round, he was there every step of the way. Every time I had to go get blood drawn, every time I had to inject myself, he would help me. But after the first round, I'm like, I got this. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You do your thing. I'll take care of it. You know? So, I mean, it just depends on the person if they need that emotional support. I mean, as you know, I'm super independent, so I was fine. And did it affect your relationship at all, like, during the process? You know, can I be super, like, I mean, I would imagine you want me to be super. No, lie to me. Blind. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes, I think that this is the case for a lot of people who are just trying to get pregnant before even entering the stages of IVF. You know, it takes the fun out of sex sometimes you know because you're you're like oh my gosh it's this time that's not the case with IVF this is when you're trying to get pregnant so I mean at least that pressure's off but suddenly like the whole having a baby thing it becomes very scientific Mm -hmm. um so yeah you know like there's a it's weird in that regard from a relationship standpoint though I feel like it bonded us a little tighter because we were going through this together and I think both of us felt bad. Like, we both felt responsible for, like, why are we not getting pregnant? Is it you? Is it me? What's going on here? And did you ever get that answer? Uh, you know, it was a little both of us. Yeah. And let's be honest, I'm no spring chicken, you know? 
I swear, if I could tell every person. So one of my best girlfriends, Adriana, she, I, I was like 38, 39 years old. And she was like, T, girl, you're not getting any younger. If you want to have a kid, you should really start planning on, on getting this bus moving. You know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I really, I feel so young. I feel so healthy. And like I said, with my family, we've never had issues. So I was like, it's fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I've got this. But if I had advice for anyone nowadays with how, as women, we work, we do the same things that men do. It's like it's a different time in our lives where we're not just there to be moms, where we have careers just like our significant others do, you know. And and so sometimes it's a little later in the game. Sometimes you're meeting your, your spouse a little later in the game. So for me, I mean, I just... I would actually tell anybody who's thinking about having a baby at some point down the road, if you're not in a relationship and you're in your 30s and your career is thriving, just freeze your damn eggs because it is the greatest insurance you'll ever have. Right. Eggs age rapidly. And, you know, they call it uh, geriatric pregnancy when you're yeah. over 35 years old. I mean, come on. I know. They, I was a geriatric, a geriatric mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like crazy. So when your friend told you at 38, hey, this get this train. I thought she was crazy. But so yeah, how I, old were you when you started? So I, you know, we were trying, actively trying, you know, by checking when we were ovulating, mm-hmm. like naturally trying for a couple of years. We were pro- I, I was, look, I got married at 34. So I'd say by 38, we started trying. You started? 37. And then how long, how old were you when you started trying IVF? Oh, girl, you know, I have the worst memory. So wait, for, maybe 40, yeah, I was about 30. I was 39, 40. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's just, it's been such a struggle. When did you decide at the end that you were done trying? So I just turned 46. I just had my 46th birthday in February and both of us had decided at 45, I had just finished being on the road filming for about six weeks straight. And then when I got back, we were going to go for it. We decided this time, let's do egg donor. Like, let's try that and see what happens. This is the thing. There's a billion options out there. If we wanted to have a baby, we could, if we still wanted to put that effort out there. Mm -hmm. But I turned 46 and I just to be very honest, I'm tired. Like I can't, I don't know how you do it, Sabrina. Like I'm exhausted and I, the idea of it scares the crap out of me at this age. And I think that we both made that decision as soon as I turned 46 that, you know what, let's shift our energy. Let's not focus on that. We've been focusing on it for seven, eight years now. Let's just stop and enjoy our lives and enjoy each other and travel and do whatever, you know, we made we made peace with it, and we also came to terms with the fact that, you know, I look, I'm I'm spiritual. I wouldn't say I'm super religious, but I'm very spiritual, and I really have the belief that there is a reason that I did not get pregnant. There has to be because we tried almost seven times, right? And then tried naturally prior to that. We got pregnant twice, and then, you know, miscarried a little bit along the way. So, you know what? If it wasn't meant to be, I hate to be that cliche saying there, but 
then I guess it wasn't meant to be. And I have to focus on the positive side of that and say there is a probably a really good reason yeah. that it didn't happen. Well, well, with that said, what are for other people who are going through it or friends of people who are going through it, how can your significant other or friends help you during the process? That's a good question, Serena, because it's hard. When, you know, my sister, I love her dearly and she loves me, but she never had these type of fertility issues. So as much as she wanted to help and as much as she was thinking she would say the right things, sometimes they just weren't. And it wasn't her fault, you know, but a lot of times people would be like, I would be starting a a, a cycle and someone would say, well, have you ever considered adopting? Right. Please don't say that to somebody when they're just starting IVF because you're trying to channel your energy into having a baby, like through this process. So to me personally, sure, I would consider adopting. But to me, that was not where my head was at at the time. And I didn't want to disperse my my focus and my energy right. into something else. To me, that was the other option, you know. It's a wonderful option, but it wasn't my option at that time. What are other things people should not say to somebody who's going through this? Um, geez. There's, when you're in it, it feels like everyone says everything wrong right. at the time. You know what? I think one thing that nobody really wants while they're going through it is to be asked constantly, so what's the story? How's it going? And I And friends do it because they love you and they want you to know that they're there for them. But when you constantly have to reiterate that it didn't work over and over and over again to your numerous friends and family, my first time I was such an open book because I was so sure I was going to get pregnant. Right. I was like, guess what, guys? I'm, I'm doing IVF. I went in. Today they they transferred the embryo. And I was such an open book about it. But then after a while, I was like, oh, God, I don't want to talk about this anymore, you know? So, but do you yeah, think that think the um, the silence sort of surrounding infer- infertility and IVF and all of that, because there's, you know, from what I understand, not from you, but from other friends, like there's shame and there's just like, you know, they worry. Do you think that us, that women not speaking about it hurts the women that are going through it? Um, oh, no, I don't know. I, I think it's such a personal thing for everybody. Yeah. Some people don't want to talk about it. I don't mind. Talk. I will talk about it all day long with anyone who's going through it or anyone who's thinking about going through it. Um, because even though it didn't work for me, I don't want that to be discouraging. I know so many people that it does work for. Um, but as far as talking about it goes, it's just such a personal thing mm-hmm. that it's it's hard to say, you know. Yeah. But, oh, here is another piece of advice. Do not thank your success on what other people write online. Do not. What do you mean? Like comparing yourself? Yes, because here you are, right? Every single thing is a factor in your outcome. So the doctor is going to prescribe a certain dosage of what you have to inject. And they don't know. (laughs) Like it's it's a guessing game for them too, right? So that's why the first round is very experimental. But after that, they're like, okay, you, re- you responded really well to this level, so I'm going to keep you on this. This one you didn't respond so well on, so we're going to drop it down. And it's a game. Every every time you go in, they're going to change it and adjust it and figure out what's the right match for you. So when And then 
there's other people who have different egg production. There's just so many, the different ages, different health factors. So you can't base what other people write online and compare it to your own story. That is just a big no-no. So then would you give the advice of not reading the blogs or Facebook and all of that, you know, and listening to everybody else's story? You can read it and hear their stories, but don't make it like, well, this worked for them, so I'm going to do this right. or this. You know what I mean? It's you're your own story. You are your own genetic being. Like nobody else has your genes, and nobody else will have the outcome that you have. Right? Because every every body is different. Totally. But I think I made that mistake with you when you were going through it. I would hear a success story, and I'd immediately call you to share. And I thought I was doing. Well, but you were you were helpful though, because you shared with me information about testing and you shared info with me that I didn't know about and that I was so grateful that you shared with me. So don't beat yourself over, <laughs> over that. You know, I think like we you made were it through. Such a help for me. Um, yeah. Other than tr- freezing your eggs or trying earlier, would you do anything else differently? Uh, I mean, really, uh, Brian and I talk about it all the time. I, we, we kick ourselves that we didn't appreciate the notion of family earlier, you know, I think both of us just got so caught up in work. And I mean, you say it yourself, you call me a workaholic every single time we talk, which you are too. (laughs) That's another story. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I kind of wish, but it's such a struggle, isn't it, Tanya? I mean, yeah, we, it is our twenties. We are trying everything to be successful. Our thirties are like climbing the ladder, working hard to Mm. keep that train moving. And then, they go by so quickly and all of a sudden you're 38 and mm-hmm. childless and you start thinking about growing older. I mean, I was, yeah, I was 38 when I got pregnant with Olivia. It's so crazy. It is true. And then, and let alone the fact the baby thing is one thing, but one of my other, one of my other girlfriends, she turned 40. She was not in a relationship and she said, I do not want to start dating someone and feel like the pressure is on that. I need to rush into marriage or having a kid with this person because I know it'll affect the relationship. Right. So she ended up going to a sperm donor and she, I mean, bless her heart. She did it all by herself. She is a single mama with sperm from someone she doesn't even know. Um, and this little girl, her name is Grace. I mean, she is a, like a, a, just a blessing, you know, I mean, she's come into her life and she came in at a time when she needed her most like the timing of it was unreal. I mean, her, she was pregnant and her dad passed her, her brother had a tragic accident. I mean, the, the fact that this baby came into her life was a true blessing. She was an angel. So yeah, she was, she was a total angel. And so it's just, it's interesting how, how people can think about what, you know, what they want out of life. And I, I wish looking back that I had maybe thought about the bigger picture in life because it makes me kind of sad to think, you know, babies are cute, but the legacy of carrying your family on, you know, having, when you get old, Olivia's going to be there to take care of you, you know, and, and like, that's such a comforting feeling. We don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping, but <laughs> I'm not banking on it. <laughs> Just kidding. Ish. Um, Ish. <laughs> Well, thank you. I really appreciate you sharing because I know 
it's not sometimes something so personal is sometimes scary to share. Yeah, I'm happy to share it though. You know, I really am. And and I, I don't want anyone feeling bad for me because I have two gorgeous, amazing, sweet, smart nephews that I adore. I have a fur baby that I like who would have ever thought, right? Sabrina, oh, don't get me started on that. Dog. I know. The, the obsession so that Tanya has with her dog is so shocking. It's unhealthy. But it's also <laughs> shocking because you weren't really a dog person, a dog person. until no, you got Flynn. I can say it. Like you didn't care right. about my dog when you used to come over and now you're like oh, cuddling with her. I, I told Brian literally this morning we were talking and I'm like, I remember when I would go to your place in New York and Harper would jump up on me and I'd be like, ugh. okay. Yeah. You're, you're almost no, I didn't, disgusted. I, didn't do an ugh. I did not. I never did that, but I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's enough. You know? And now, and then I said to him, I go, now when I come over to your house, I'm like, Sabrina, can Harper sleep in the room with yeah. me? Like I just want to cuddle with yeah. Harper. And you're just like, <laughs> but that's kind of how I, I, I'm the same way with kids. Like I loved kids, but I didn't really like, yeah, I would play with them for a minute, but sure. Right. Right. But now that I have Olivia, Olivia, like any kid that I even make eye contact you're with, like, it's like, let's, you're just in yeah, yeah, it's game time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's so funny. Oh, how no, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you called me to, uh, to, well, I'm glad that you asked me to talk about this stuff because I do think it's nice for people to hear, but I really want the big message of all of this to be, you know, just a, if you don't have to wait, don't wait, or at least freeze your eggs. If you do have to wait, because it's going to save you a lot of heartache down the road. Don't compare my story to your story because we're all different, you know, and everyone has a different outcome and just stay as positive as possible. You know, if you're private, keep it private. If you want to share, share. It's like whatever you're comfortable with. And Tanya is very active on social media. So you could find her on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. If you want to reach out to her and ask questions. Look what I just did. I just completely (laughs) threw that out there. You're like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. I guess, I guess I'll do that. (laughs) All right. I love you, girl. Thank you so much. Love you too. Okay.